Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church and the second Sunday of Advent. As we prepare our hearts for the coming of our Lord, we prepare our homes for the arrival of family and friends. We imagine what it will be like to sit and dine and visit with loved ones. We treasure thoughts of home when home is safe and loving. Mary and Joseph had to leave home just when they needed home the most. Their difficult journey to Bethlehem meant that they were alone at a time when they most needed community. Yet God was present to Mary and Joseph in their wandering. They experienced God as a protector and a sustainer, even as they traveled from their home to the unfamiliarity of Bethlehem uh, for the census. Once there, they experienced God as keeper of promises. Jeremiah 33, 14 and 16 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. God makes a promise in Jeremiah and he keeps it in Bethlehem. Jesus is born and nothing will ever be the same again. Today in a world that makes the barn in Bethlehem feel like a very long time ago, God calls for community to help keep children safe and to give the homeless shelter. this candle for every child of God who has lost their way from home. We light this candle in acknowledgement that God wants children to live in safety and in repentance that this does not always happen and in commitment that we will work to make it so. We light these candles as symbols of God's light shining in the darkness. The light has come into the world. The first chapter of John says that darkness has not understood it, but the darkness will never overcome it. Well, good morning. 
It's nice to see you here today. I want you to join us as we sing, and I need to hear you sing today. You can tell by my voice I'm going to need all the help I can get today. So sing with us. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let's stand and sing this great song of the season. Joy to the world. Lift it up.
Thank you. You may be seated.
Oh, come all you faithful. That's the heart cry of our, our season. Amen. That we would come faithfully to the house of the Lord and to worship Him. No matter what the temperature is. Right? We come faithfully today. May our hearts be warmed by singing His praises. Would you join us as we sing together? Oh, come all you faithful. Stand together. Let's sing.
Father, thank you for allow, allowing us to come safely to your home, house today so that we may worship you. And thank you for the blessings you bestow upon us every day. Father, be with Brother Stewart as he brings a message to us today. And help us to remember what this season really is all about, that God gave us the greatest gift when his son was born. Father, I ask that you bless the tithes and offerings that we bring to you today and bless the givers. And in Jesus' name, amen. Once upon a long night, after a hot ride, somewhere in Bethlehem, a baby breaks the silence, sweetly he's crying, I am Emmanuel. The angels gave him music, shepherds gave reverence, and a message to the land, a widow held and cherished, a God who became a man, but oh, of God, oh Prince of Peace, what tribute shall I bring to worship thee? See, I have no gold to lay at your feet, so Lamb of God, I started guide them searching all the earth until they found the one child the very god child who ruled the universe and did they know the ladies little baby was god and fully man and everything they gave him he himself had made with his hands but oh
Well, with snow this week and cold in here today, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. (laughs) There's toys in every store, but the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Truly, there's no place like home for the holidays, because no matter how far away you roam, when you pine for the sunshine of a friendly gaze, for the holidays, you can't beat home, sweet home. Every year, Perry Como comes back from the grave and (laughs) taps the longing of our hearts to be home for Christmas. Home is where Christmas memories are made. Not long after we married, Rebecca gathered some Christmas photos from each of our childhoods and uh, placed them in some photo holders in our bedroom. And every year, several times a year at Christmas, I pause and look at those pictures and reminisce. There's one for her family and one for my family. And as I look at those pictures, I can smell the fresh cut Christmas trees that we would always get. I can remember making cookies with mom. I can remember the smell of a leather sport coat my dad always wore around Christmas time. And uh, I remember special gifts that I received and family gatherings that we shared. Because home is where Christmas memories are made. Whether it's at mom and dad's or grandma and grandpa's or our in-laws or someone else's place, home is where Christmas memories are made. And that's why we want to be home for Christmas. The nostalgia of home prompts close to 100 million Americans to travel for Christmas each year. People crisscross the nation just like Perry Como saying, the man in Tennessee travels to Pennsylvania and the people in Pennsylvania travel down south and from Atlantic to Pacific. Gee, the traffic is terrific. That's because we know That if we want to be happy in a million ways for the holidays, you can't beat home sweet home. Yet there are challenges with that longing. In 1943, Bing Crosby recorded I'll Be Home for Christmas. And that short eight-line song touched the hearts of Americans who had loved ones serving overseas during World War II. And it also touched the hearts of GIs who were scattered around the globe. And the promises made in that song, I'll be home for Christmas. But then the reality is admitted, if only in my dreams. And that's true for many of us. We can't go home. Or we can only do so in our dreams. Maybe you always went to grandma's house for Christmas, but now grandma is with Jesus and you can't go there this year. Or maybe you moved from the house you called home. Maybe your parents have passed away and there's no home to go back to. Maybe you just can't go home because of work or you can't afford to travel. Or perhaps you're on the other side. Someone you want to come home can't come home this year. Maybe it's a sick loved one. Maybe it's a soldier serving in the military. Maybe it's a child who's spending their first Christmas with their in-laws. For some of us, the challenges of being home for Christmas create an even greater longing in our hearts for home. And interestingly, that's where the first Christmas story helps us. Have you ever thought about this? That the very first Christmas occurred away from home? 
Our text for today is Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. And to go ahead and turn there as I give you a little bit of background. Mary and Joseph weren't home for Christmas. Oh, they traveled and they dealt with terrific traffic, no doubt. But they weren't going home. They were away from home because they had to be away from home. The gospel writer Luke tells us that Caesar Augustus had decreed that a census had to be made of the entire Roman world. And so everyone had to go to their own hometown to register. Now, that hometown wasn't necessarily what we would think of as their hometown. It was their ancestral hometown. But this didn't mean either that everybody simply went to their grandparents' home. It meant people had to travel to wherever their ancestors traced back Two. Now, we have a hard time doing that today. Uh, if you and I had to do that, most of us would first have to use Ancestry.com or DNA and 23andMe DNA to see where we actually came from in the first place. And then we'd likely have to visit a dozen different places to go to our ancestral home. But things weren't so complicated back in the first century, especially among the Jews. Joseph knew where he came from. He came from Bethlehem because he was of the house and the line of King David. So ordered by the government, Joseph set out with Mary who was great with child. And the trip was about 100 miles and would have taken 8 to 10 days to make. Now, can you imagine traveling from here to Baton Rouge without major roads and ladies doing so being nine months pregnant? Now, I don't care how helpful Joseph was or how sure-footed the donkey was, if they even had a donkey, Mary had to be miserable. And though she may have been full of grace and the Lord was with her, I bet she let no, Joseph know about it. <laughs> These were real people, you know. Mary and Joseph finally arrived in Bethlehem and only to find that there was no room in the inn. And that was both a good thing and a bad thing. It was a bad thing because Mary and Joseph found themselves in a rough spot with no place to sleep after a very long journey. But it was also kind of a good thing because you see the Bethlehem inn was not a holiday inn. Uh, it did not have private rooms with a free hot breakfast with make-your-own waffles in the morning. First century inns were basically just large rooms where everyone just bedded down together like a big dorm room at church camp minus the bunk beds. You didn't know whether you'd be sleeping by Burly Bubba or Big Bertha. You were just there in the big room with everybody. And, you know, the innkeeper gets a bad rap in Christmas plays, like he was some kind of mean ogre. But, you know, he was apparently gracious, offering the couple the only thing he could, his stable. At least it was private. Better to have a baby out there than in the inn with Bubba and Bertha. And so you know the rest of the story. The first Christmas happens away from home, complete with the birth of Jesus and the visit of the shepherds. We look at our nativity scenes like the one we have up here and we think, oh, what a silent night, what a holy night. I guess Mary and Joseph had a great time with all the shepherds and then with the magi and they just packed up the family in the minivan and headed back home to Nazareth a couple of days later. But you know, that's not exactly how it was. 
They were away from home for a long time. In fact, a very long time. If you have a newborn, the last thing that you should do is go on a 10-day, 100-mile hiking camping trip. And if Mary and Joseph had picked up and headed home, that's exactly what they would have had to do. And so instead, they found a place to live in Bethlehem. They stayed for some time there. Joseph likely got a job uh, in the area of his trade while Mary nursed baby Jesus. Scholars tell us they could have been in Bethlehem as long as two years. And I hate to break it to you, but our nativity scenes are not exactly accurate because the Magi, they weren't there at the same time as the shepherds. In fact, they may not have come for as much as two years later. In order to tell the story in our nativity scenes and be able to use our cool magi, we have to collapse the story a little bit altogether. And that's fine, as long as you remember that they came a little later. They saw the star the night he was born. They researched. Then they began traveling to find the baby. And they had to go quite a distance. But when the Magi did come, they offered gifts, and those gifts probably became very important for the family. We pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. When they had gone, meaning these Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. Now wait a minute. Egypt's the wrong direction. They come from Nazareth in the north down to Bethlehem and instead of getting to go back home or close to home, they have to go all the way over to Egypt to escape. If baby Jesus was a couple of years old, even a year old, the family could have managed that hike back home. But Egypt is in the exact opposite direction. Home for the holidays? I'll be home for Christmas? Not only were Mary and Joseph away from home the first Christmas, they were away from home for the first several Christmases. It would actually be more fitting to the biblical story if we were not at home for Christmas. So maybe we should rewrite the song. I'll be gone for Christmas. You can count on me. I'll be fine. Please don't whine. Just sit and look at your tree. Okay, maybe not. We'll keep Perry Como's version. But you know, thankfully, most of us, most of us are going to get to be home at Christmas. But what are some things that we can learn from this first Christmas couple who weren't home for the holidays? What can we learn that can help us whether we are at home or not? Well, first we find from Mary and Joseph's story that home is where you are safe. This stood out to me as I reflected back upon the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph were on the run and in hiding for several years. That's not exactly like any Christmases I've experienced. And unless some of you are in the witness protection program or have a hit out on you by the mob, it's probably not like any Christmas you've had either. Paranoid King Herod had a death warrant out on baby Jesus. And when the Magi come from the east and they ask where this one was born who was to be king of the Jews, 
Herod thought he'd just use these smart guys to give him some help as well. He asked the Magi to please come back and tell him where the child was so that once they returned, he too could go and worship him. But of course, it was all a ruse. Herod didn't plan to, to worship. He planned to kill. And when the Magi didn't return to Herod because they had been warned in a dream not to, Herod gave orders to kill all baby boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, two years old and younger. How many children that was, we're not certain, but given the population of the time, um, it was probably around 20 to 30 babies that were killed. Most families in the region probably were affected in some way by that massacre. And sadly, this was nothing out of the ordinary for Herod. He was a master of massacres and assassinations. During his reign, he annihilated the members of the Sanhedrin, that Jewish Supreme Court. He killed 300 court officers, his wife, his mother-in-law, his oldest son, and two more of his sons. And on his deathbed, he called for the slaughter of many notable men in Jerusalem. Someone like Herod was not going to take the news of the birth of a new king calmly. He would take that kid out, no doubt. And therefore, things got very dangerous for Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And so in a dream, God warned Joseph, urging him to flee from Bethlehem, go to Egypt so they would be safe. Now, a flight into Egypt was uh, natural for Jews of the time. Often throughout the troubled uh, centuries before Jesus came, whenever a peril or some tyranny or some persecution made life difficult for Jews, they would often seek refuge in Egypt. And the result was that every day, every city in Egypt had its own kind of colony of Jews. So no doubt, Mary and Joseph found one of these colonies and settled in, making a new home where they would be safe. After some time, Herod died. And when he did, an angel of the Lord appeared again in a dream to let him know it was safe to return to the land of Israel. And apparently, the young family considered settling somewhere in Judea. Perhaps they thought about moving back to Bethlehem. Maybe they'd met some friends. Maybe Joseph thought he could have a better chance of some business there. But when they found out Archelaus was ruling there, and he wasn't a very kind man either, they moved back to Nazareth where they would be safe because home is where we are safe whether it's Nazareth or Bethlehem or Egypt home is wherever you are safe and feel safe one of the now classic Christmas movies is Home Alone uh, in fact though it's only 27 years old hard to believe it's 27 years old but though it's only 27 years old it is the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time Poor eight-year-old Kevin has to protect his house from a pair of burglars when he is accidentally left home alone by his family during Christmas vacation. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always kind of wondered how in the world Kevin's dad afforded a mansion and to pay for everybody to go to Paris. And then how, if you could make that much money, how you could be so stupid to leave your kid back home in America. But that's beside the point. The movie is all about Kevin protecting his house from burglars and his creative pranks are what makes the movie so intriguing and so interesting it's like looney tunes with real people and kevin is tweety bird and the burglars are sylvester and kevin is the roadrunner and the burglars are the coyote 
And though Kevin is home, he doesn't really feel safe. He has to make himself safe with all the booby traps. And Kevin ends up winning, he stays safe, and he's finally reunited with his loser family. (laughs) Part of the reason that movie is so popular is we like Kevin's victory over the burglars. We like how he stays stays safe at every turn. And somehow this eight-year-old kid stays safe in his mansion of a house. Because we all want to feel safe. Home provides that for us. When you've had a bad day at work, you want to go home. When you experience sorrow, you want to go home. When you feel sick, you stay home. Home is where you feel safe. Home was a place of safety for Mary and Joseph as well. And though the location may have changed, home was always where they felt safe. From Nazareth to Bethlehem to Egypt and back again. And the location of home changed a lot for Mary of Joseph in those early years. And that leads us to the second lesson that I think we learned from Mary and Joseph's story. And that is, home is wherever God leads. Notice the scriptures. Over in Luke chapter 2 verse 4, it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Nazareth to Bethlehem. We just read about him going from Bethlehem to Egypt. And then if we look at Matthew 2 verses 19 through 22, we read, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. And so there we have Egypt back to Nazareth. It's quite possible that the gifts that the Magi gave Mary and Joseph and Jesus helped finance the move to Egypt and then eventually back to Nazareth. Now notice these Christmas travels of Mary and Joseph. Nazareth to Bethlehem, Bethlehem to Egypt, Egypt to Nazareth, and he finally gets to go back to Nazareth after several years. So where is home? Home is wherever God leads. We can understand that for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. In fact, Matthew helps us in verse 15 saying, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I've called my son. Okay, so they had to go to Egypt. And then in verse 23, we read, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Okay, so he's got to go there too. And we think, okay, God had a plan. He's just moving Mary and Joseph and Jesus according to his plan. And of course he does that with them. I mean, they are the holy family after all. But don't you realize that God has a plan for you and your family as well? And do you realize that your family is just as holy as Mary and Joseph? Because you see, holy doesn't mean that you have statues made about you or that you have a halo around your head. It means that you're set apart for him. That you're dedicated to him. Every single family who claims Jesus as the head of their home is set apart and holy for him. And because we are set apart, God has a plan for us as well. Things don't happen by chance. Job opportunities don't just drop out of the sky. God has a plan. God moves us according to his purpose. 
Sometimes that purpose makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't at the time. Sometimes that purpose moves quickly. Sometimes it moves slower than slow. But God has a plan. And God moves us according to that plan. God uses circumstances that occur in our lives to help us grow in his purpose. Our job is to seek that purpose and follow it just like Mary and Joseph did. And if you'd asked me when I was called to ministry if I would pastor in Texas, I would have said, I doubt it, but I did. If you had asked me 15 years ago even, when I started that pastorate in Texas, if I would be pastor in central Louisiana, I would have said, not a chance. If you would have asked me when I was a student over at Louisiana College, if I would be pastoring this church 20 years later, I would have said, you've got to be kidding. But here we are and have been for nine and a half years. God had a plan. And the job is to follow that plan. And so no matter how far away Rebecca and I have roamed, for the holidays you can't beat home sweet home, but Rebecca and I have lived in an apartment in two different houses. We each had childhood homes. We sold Rebecca's childhood home several years ago when her mom passed away. The home I actually grew up in, we moved out of when I was a senior in high school. Someone else lives there now. We can't go back. So where is home sweet home? It's wherever God leads. We have great memories from all those homes. And I can honestly say we were at home in each of them. Well, there's times we wish we could go back to a childhood home, but we can't. And that's okay because home is wherever God leads You know, Mary and Joseph were home in Bethlehem, a hundred miles away from home. They were home in Egypt, maybe 200 or more miles, miles away from home. So what is the plan that God has for you? Are you walking according to that plan? If you are, then be home this Christmas. Be home wherever you are. Because wherever God has led you is home. Are your loved ones who can't be home this Christmas walking according to God's plan for them? Then bless them. They are where God has led. They are home too, even if they aren't home with you. Home is wherever God leads. Yeah, home is where Christmas memories are made, but Mary and Joseph made their Christmas memories away from their regular home as they discovered home is where you're safe and it's wherever God leads. Truly, if you are safe and you're right where God has led you, then yes, for the holidays, you can't beat home sweet home. The story's told that around Christmas 1943, the same year Bing Crosby's I'll Be Home for Christmas was warming American hearts for the first time. The chaplain on the battleship North Carolina could tell that the crew was feeling a little homesick and that they were... um, a little disappointed that they were going to be overseas for the holiday season. And so the chaplain of the vessel had an idea. He collected $5 from every crew member and who had children back home. The chaplain then made a list of all of the people who had given him money and the children and the kind of gifts that they might could get. And he sent that money and the list of addresses and names back to Macy's department store in New York City. And the chaplain asked that Macy's buy gifts for all of those family members using the money that the crew of the North Carolina had sent and they deliver them to their homes in time for Christmas. 
As Christmas approached, the servicemen on the ship gathered for the annual Christmas show that involved songs and skits and entertainment for the troops aboard the battleship. When the entertainment had ended, the chaplain had a surprise. When Macy's received the money from the chaplain along with the list of addresses, they decided that in addition to just delivering the gifts, they would go an extra step and do something for the servicemen who were on the battleship. So they contacted all of those sailors' families and asked them that if they could to come to Macy's where they could be filmed in giving a message to their servicemen overseas. Family members came to Macy's, their greetings were filmed and sent on to the battleship. The men aboard the battleship North Carolina sat there and saw their wives and children and loved ones appear before them on the screen, sending them a Christmas message. To us, that's normal everyday circumstance. But in 1943, that was magical. So as those soldiers sat there in a magical, meaningful moment, the rugged soldiers watched, wept, and rejoiced. They weren't with their families for Christmas, but they were safe and they knew that they were where God had led. And so they were home for Christmas, even more than only in their dreams. This Christmas, will you be home no matter where you are? You can have the same peace that Mary and Joseph had those first Christmases if you'll follow the Lord as they did. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I don't mean do you believe that he existed or believe that he was the son of God or believe in the nativity story because probably everybody in this room believes that. But the Bible says that it's got to be more than just belief because even the demons believe and tremble. There needs to be a personal relationship, a sold out relationship where we give over our lives to Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? I would pray that this Christmas would be the time that you would do that. That today would be the day of salvation for you. Where you would realize that Jesus didn't just come to earth to give us a sweet little story about Christmas. He came ultimately to die on the cross for my sins and for your sins. And that after dying and taking our sins upon himself, three days later he was raised from the dead to give us a new life. An abundant life and an everlasting life. And that is now the true gift that he offers to each one of us. And all we must do to have that personal relationship with Jesus ourselves is to receive that gift. Would you do that today if you've never done so before? Would you receive the gift of salvation that Jesus has offered for you? In just a moment, we're going to pray and then we're going to stand and sing and have a time of invitation. And if you feel the Lord leading you to trust him as your Lord and Savior, then would you come forward today and say, Pastor, I'm trusting Jesus as my Lord and Savior this morning. It may be that you want to come and be a part of this church family. I invite you to come and do that as well. But as we pray, would you seek what the Lord is speaking to your heart today? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and we are grateful for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. We're thankful that home is wherever we're safe and wherever you lead us. And so God, we pray that even right now, we would be at home with you. God, for those in this room who've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Bring that about, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.